All right, well, let me say a prayer, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this beautiful description of uh, the first church, early church. Uh, we're excited to, to kind of dive into it and, and learn something, uh, to hear from you and apply it to our lives, apply it to our church family. Uh, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So you might not know this, but Cornerstone is a church plant. That means we are uh, fairly young, fairly new. Uh, we launched our weekly service in 2015 and then became autonomous in 2017. Uh, and we've been going ever since. Uh, but kind of something that tends to happen uh, when you're planting a new church is a pastor, a pastor in our family, like when we tell people, hey, you know, we've, we've been a part of this church plant, you know, we, we helped uh, start a new church, uh, you get, sometimes the response is this look of like, wow, that's really cool. You must be able to do like anything you want. You must have gotten like whatever you want out of this church plant. It's almost like it's like uh, we're doing like Sim Church, right? Like Sim City or uh, The Sims. Like you can build, like we have like nice stained glass windows there, you know, a nice cross here. We got a Wana VBS, you know, all the different programs, whatever you want, just plug and play. And uh, all of you that have kind of been here from the beginning know that that's exactly true, right? That's exactly how it, <laughs> how it goes. Uh, Here's the thing, uh, starting a church and being a part of a church, uh, it's not really like an iPhone. You know, we each have an iPhone or a smartphone, or maybe don't, God bless you. Uh, but right, you can put, you can like download whatever apps you want, you can arrange them, you can do whatever you want. It's your kind of little world that you build. And that's not what being a part of a church is. A church is not like Sim Church or iChurch. Uh, being a part of a church is being a part of a a corporate body, uh, a gathering of believers who come together to worship Christ Jesus. We're, we're more of a we church, not an I church, but a we church. Uh, it's, it, it can be a bit messy, right? Because we all come with our different experiences and emotions and ways of thinking about what church is. We come with our preferences, right? And yet, we come together to do something beyond ourselves, to create something that's ultimately not about me, not about you, but about Christ Jesus. And if we are to look into the scriptures, we see this pattern given to us in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. This is the story of a church plant. This is like what the first church plant looked like. And it doesn't mention stained glass. It doesn't mention some of those other programs. It just mentions people coming together to worship Christ. And we're going to look at uh, what that means a little bit more deeply here in a moment. Now, in the, the book of Acts, uh, I don't think uh, this, uh, this, this kind of summary of the early church is purely descriptive. If something's just descriptive, it means it doesn't really apply to us. But I don't also think it's uh, so prescriptive that uh, we have to look exactly like this. Instead, I think there are some, um, some truths there's some biblical truths, some biblical principles from this passage that we can apply to what it means to be a church today. Because we want to be, uh, we want to reflect the truth of Scripture, right? We want church to be ultimately about not my preferences or your preferences, but Christ's preferences, right? The head of the church. Jesus is called the head of the church, and so we want this church to look like how he wants it to look. And so we're going to see that as we dive into these verses of what a uh, uh, kind of how to, how to be that church, uh, how to do, I think these are the wrong slides, uh, Anne, so I don't know, you can just 
delete them, uh, yes, it's, or you can see if you found the other ones. Uh, but we're going to uh, look at how to do church uh, together. Now, there's four kind of ways that we can do church together, and the first is to gather around God's Word. So number one is we gather around God's Word. So you can write uh, your notes in the bulletin if you want. Uh, number one, we gather around God's Word. Now, we opened this chapter, chapter 2 at Pentecost, and then Peter comes in and he preaches uh, he preaches, uh, and 3,000 people come to know Christ. That's pretty uh, amazing. Uh, and, uh, and then we see some of those believers staying behind in Jerusalem, right? And they start this church. Now, there's the people that were already in Jerusalem, and perhaps some stay from kind of the surrounding area. Uh, but we see them coming together to be a church, and what do they do? Uh, let's look at verses uh, 42 and verse 43. They come and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They gather around God's word. In other words, in verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So they don't have copies of the New Testament, right? Uh, they're not opening up to the Gospel of John quite yet or the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, or Luke. And so uh, if you have been uh, taking our adult Christian ed class, you would have kind of heard that perhaps they would have opened up to the Tanakh, right? The, the, I don't know if I said that right. Okay, I got a thumbs up from Terry, uh, which includes uh, the Torah, uh, the Navim. So the Torah is the first couple books of the Bible, right? Uh, Genesis through Deuteronomy. The Navim is the prophets, and the Ketuvim is the historic books and the uh, poetic books. And so they would have been going through these and explaining from the Old Testament how they point to Christ Jesus. Now these apostles, remember, they were also with Jesus during his ministry, and so what would they have been doing? They would have been just talking about Jesus and the, the life and the ministry that they witnessed uh, going through life with him. And then it says they performed miracles. And so they would have been kind of demonstrating the truth of God's word, the truth of God's uh, witness. Uh, they would be performing miracles to authenticate uh, that their message was indeed true. And so I think we see something here that the people are coming together around the apostles and around their teaching. And so as we think about us as a church today, there has to be something that brings us together, right? We're, we're not a social club. We're not, like, maybe you are a part of some other club, like a movie uh, of the month club, where you come together and you watch some film and television, or you discuss, or a book of the month club, or a cooking club, or an exercise group. Uh, uh, we don't identify any of those ways as a church body. Neither do we identify as, like, one ethnic group, or, or from one region of, uh, uh, or one part of the world. Uh, we are uh, a diverse group of people. And so the question is, like, what brings us together? I think it's God, and it's his word. It's the scriptures, right? We come together to study God's word uh, and to learn about Christ Jesus through the scriptures, to learn about the gospel. The gospel is the good news. It's the good news of being able to be in relationship with God through his word, through the Holy Spirit. And so that's what brings us together. That's what unites us. We gather uh, around something, we gather around someone, Christ Jesus and his word. And maybe you're, uh, uh, you're new to Christianity, have you not heard this word gospel? And that's just kind of the big message that uh, we're all sinful. 
we're all broken and we all need a savior. We all need forgiveness. And there's only one person who has ever lived a, a kind of a, a clean and pure life who can then forgive us of our sins, and that's Christ Jesus, right? That's why he had to go to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be forgiven and so that we can enter into right relationship with God. If it wasn't for Jesus and the gospel, when we gather around the Bible, uh, it would do us no good because the Bible is just meant to be a way to help us to be in relationship with our creator. And that's only possible because of Jesus and his death and resurrection. And so we need to believe in Christ. We need to come to him and confess our sins and, and be in relationship with him and through him a relationship with God. So we, we gather around Jesus, we gather around the word, and then number two, uh, we do life together. We do life together. So Christianity uh, is not just a Bible study. It's not just a Bible study. Otherwise, you know, we could all just kind of get in little groups and read our Bibles and that'd be it. Christianity is really a lifestyle. <laughs> Acts uh, 2, verses 42, and then look at 44 through 46. They devoted themselves first to the apostles' teaching and then to fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Verse 44, what it kind of explains what the fellowship looks like. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So the church is not a building. It's not a place, uh, but it's a fellowship. And that means it's a people. It's a, it's a gathered group of people doing life together. This word for fellowship in verse 42 is the Greek word koinonia, koinonia. Uh, and it most commonly means uh, fellowship or communion, participation, or sharing. We really see what this means in verses 45 through 46, right? They're, they're selling their position, possessions, they're being generous with each other. Uh, and it's this, this kind of daily coming together to worship God. And so it really is like this ongoing life experience with each other. Uh, there was a, 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 an English monk, 12th century, who called uh, kind of doing life together spiritual friendship. And they're experiencing spiritual friendship with each other. Our denomination, the four C's, one of our guiding values is a community that lives out a shared life and shared mission. A shared life and shared mission. So having the, the kind of the, the same um, way of going about life, but then also like the same purpose in life. Right, to share Christ Jesus, to love God and to love each other and then to, to share about Christ. The last time I preached this passage, I said the core of Christian community is costly love. The core of Christian community is costly love. And that's this idea of, of, uh, of it costing us something to be in relationship. Right? These people sacrificed for each other. They were generous and kind and giving. And so we are to spend time with each other and, and care for each other and sacrifice for each other. And these are all things that are, are outward focused, right? The outward focus begins inside. <laughs> the outward focus begins inside the church. It's not an I church, but it's a we church. It's an us church. Maybe you've seen Shark Tank. The investors like to say, the most valuable commodity I have is my time. The most valuable commodity I have is my time. And so we give our time to each other. We give the thing that is most valuable to us to each other. Now, at Cornerstone, what I like about the, the book of Acts is it's kind of giving us an opportunity to reflect on ourselves as we go through the book. I think we can see places where we do fellowship and we do it well. 
Like when we, we play games together or we eat a meal together, we have like a potluck or uh, we do a community group, right? Tomorrow night is not just an opportunity to grow in what it means to be a parent, but it's an also op- an opportunity to, to fellowship together and to just be a part of each other's lives. Uh, and we have plenty of opportunities to do that. And even outside of like programmatic things like Christian Ed, like when we visit each other, we go for a walk or get coffee together or, or or if someone's in the hospital and we go and we spend time with them, that's all uh, fellowship. But sometimes um, uh, when, we, when we enter into these things, it can be a bit planned or orchestrated, right? It's, even if you have someone over to your house for dinner, uh, you know, you, you make sure you, you clean up first and then you make the meal and everyone's there, your schedule's all aligned, and it can be a bit uh, clean cut when it comes to fellowship. And I think the word for fellowship here in Acts and really the picture we see is more like a kind of an ongoing life experience of just living life uh, together. So uh, when there's like laundry piles on the floor and uh, the, the bathroom hasn't been cleaned and there's dishes in the sink and the kids are crying and uh, the kids won't do the homework, you're still having uh, fellow believers into your home. And you're just kind of uh, saying, here, here, this is what it means <laughs> for us to be a family, and this is what it means for us to be believers. Come and, and be a part of this, and maybe you can uh, fold some laundry while you're at it. Uh, <laughs> please uh, be a part of this. I think it's, you know, when you're sick or uh, a loved one is dying and you're miserable, and instead of walling yourself off and isolating yourself, you say, I, I need my church family. I, I want to spend time with people, even if we're just watching a movie and eating popcorn and maybe crying because it's a sad movie. Uh, that's what it means to be in fellowship. Uh, getting up early to go to breakfast and spending time together praying for one another and confessing sins to one another and uh, rejoicing when it's a good day and kind of being sad when it's a bad day. I think fellowship is like this ongoing day in and day out lifestyle. Uh, you can't in some ways, program fellowship, like true, authentic fellowship. We, we do uh, program things in order to create the opportunity for fellowship. Before, uh, when fellowship actually happens, it's because we've made a decision, right? I've made an individual decision to open up, to be authentic, and to be real with those around me. And so the depth of our fellowship as a church body is... <laughs> Uh, not only a we decision, but it's also a, an I decision, right? It is a uh, I'm going to enter into and I'm going to be in relationship uh, with others. And that's, that's wonderful and that's a blessing, but it's also scary. <laughs> it's also scary and it's also risky. Uh, so this Greek word koinonia, as I was looking at it and studying it, the, the root of this word is the Greek word koinos, uh, which means common, right? You would, you would expect that meaning, like common, like we're sharing life in common. Uh, but then another translation of it, another way it's used is profane or impure. And so it's like this idea of uh, uh, this word, right? You go koinonia, it's like this beautiful fellowship, participation, like communion, we're doing life together. And then you get down to the root of it and it's like dirty, <laughs> impure, unholy. And I, I think that beautifully, like, captures uh, church fellowship, right? And just when you get into a relationship with people, you get to have that, that fun side where you see the joy and, and the happiness and it's good. But then you also get down to the, the, the hard side, 
right? And, uh, and seeing each other's sins and, and uh, experiencing kind of those inner struggles with people and also being hurt, right? Experiencing uh, uh, the impurity of living in a broken world, trying to live God's way in a broken world and experiencing hurt and pain uh, because of that. I want us to like take a step back for a moment and think about this church. This is the first church but in just a few chapters, when we get to Acts chapter 5, like two of the, the people that are attending this church right now are Ananias and Sapphira, who are going to uh, sin against God, sin against the Holy Spirit, and be struck dead. And so that tells us something. There's this beautiful fellowship, but there's brokenness already. There's people that are, are uh, willing to hurt each other, and, and, and uh, maybe unintentionally so, but they're, they're part of this church family. And then if you, if you watch the rest of the book of Acts, when we get to Acts chapter 17, this church has to call a major council because it's made up of mostly Jewish believers, and they have a really hard time welcoming Gentile believers into the church. And see, so there's not this, like, uh, like this perfect harmony in this church. There's brokenness. There's discord. Even Peter, right? Peter's the, this, like, rock. Uh, he's the apostle. He leads the church and he leads the church in Jerusalem, and at one point, he begins to refuse to eat with Gentiles because he becomes convinced he shouldn't. And Paul has to call him out. And so that's koinonia. <laughs> that's community. Uh, when we are experiencing fellowship as a church, uh, we should expect the good, the lovely, the encouraging, but we should also expect the brokenness and the hurt and the pain. Uh, my pastor friend, uh, Rick Harrington, he's taking the Ockengate program with me. Uh, he recently self-published a book called How to Find a Church, Seven Steps to Becoming Part of a Spiritual Family. It's a great little uh, book. Uh, the first step is just about preparing, like preparing to visit a church. The second step is the actual visit and so on and so forth. And the last step, I was surprised when I read it, uh, but the last step is persevering through the pain. Persevering through the pain is the last step to finding a church. Uh, the, the quote is this. He, he writes this. He says, you will get hurt. I actually think that is part of God's plan for the church. Though that does not excuse the one who causes the pain, he, God, wants us to learn to forgive and show grace. This is what it, where it takes true grit, a staunch stomach and a test of faith. You need to stick it out. When you've done this step, you've found your spiritual family. I really like that. I think that's well written, but I think it gets down to the point of um, we can all attend church, we can all go to church, but if you really want to find a church, you have to be there for some time and experience both the joys of being a part of a church, but also the pains of being a part of a church family. So be encouraged today if you're a visitor. Uh, we hope that you'll, uh, you'll recur, return and, and, uh, and be a part of our church family. But we're not perfect. And I just want you to know that up front. We're not perfect. Uh, we, we hurt each other sometimes, but just like the quote said, it gives us an opportunity to forgive and to show grace uh, to each other. So number one is we gather around God's church, and this is how we do church together. Number one, we gather around God's church. Number two is we do life together. And number three is we share meals and take communion. You might have figured that out by uh, communion here today. Uh, I think there's a, something else you should know about the church. 
uh, even for us, is that food is a big deal. <laughs> we like food. Uh, and this has been part of church history. I feel like there should be like a cookbook of like uh, church history food. And it's like the, the, pot, the potluck was created in like the second century and the, uh, the slow cooker was like the third century. Uh, uh, food is a big part of what it means to be a part of the church. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Uh, I, you know, they were not on the paleo diet. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Uh, there's something about food that uh, like loosens you up and makes you happy and makes you want to spend time with each other. And this early church did that. Uh, they would eat together and celebrate um, the Lord's Supper together. And I think this really is meant to kind of give us this picture of this, them eating, them fellowshipping, and then at some point, maybe during the meal, they would uh, take the Lord's Supper. And we see that in other places in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, so there are some, like, right, there are some parts of Christianity being a part of a church that can be hard, but there's also some parts that can be really wonderful, the food uh, and eating together. This is an important part of what it means to be a church uh, family. And so I want to challenge us. I, I, I don't know if there's really much more to this point. Uh, I could just start talking about food for the next 10 minutes, but I'm not going to do that. But I do want to challenge us. I want to challenge us to be uh, intentional with our food, right? We, we do like a, a church potluck maybe once every other month, and, and that's wonderful. But I think the times of fellowship and where you do life together takes place a little bit more personally, right? And so I love it when uh, people invite us over to their home or we get to have people over to our home. And so I want to challenge us all to, to invite someone, uh, maybe it's someone new or someone that you've been going to church with for a long time, over to your home for dinner. And maybe invite someone who you've never had over to your home for dinner. Uh, or if you can't, uh, for whatever reason, do a, a dinner at home, Go to like Panera or some other place, five guys, and have dinner together there or, or lunch together. Um, but, but really try to find someone who you've never shared a meal with before in that kind of personal way in your home or at a restaurant and get a meal with them. Uh, and, and do what Acts chapter 2 models uh, for us. Let's share meals together. So number one is we gather around God's word. Number two is we do life together. Number three is we share meals and take communion. That's what it means to do church together. And the fourth kind of thing is we pray together. We pray together. Verse 42 continues, they devoted themselves to prayer. And then if you jump to 47, it talks about praising God. And so I think those are both in the same vein. And so we find this first church, this early church, praying together, worshiping God. Maybe you've heard this saying like the, the, the marriage that prays together stays together. I think the church that prays together stays together. Uh, the last book I read uh, on prayer, uh, there was this quote in it from, uh, it's from Gene Getz. Uh, I don't really am that familiar with him, but I liked the, the quote. It said, the, the hallmark of Western civilization has been rugged individualism. Rugged individualism, like the, the iPhone. Because of our philosophy of life, we are used to the personal pronouns I and my and me. We may not have, taught to th we may not have been taught to think in terms of we and our and us. Consequ consequently, we individualize many references to corporate experience in the New Testament, thus often emphasizing personal prayer. The facts are that 
more is said in the book of Acts and the epistles about corporate prayer, corporate learning of the biblical truth, corporate evangelism, and corporate Christian maturity and growth than about the personal aspects of these Christian disciplines. Don't misunderstand, both are intricately related, but the personal dimensions of Christianity are difficult to maintain and practice consistently unless they grow out of a proper corporate experience on a regular basis. So I hope you followed that quote, but it's kind of, we've been taught it's all about me and my and my preferences, and that's like the American spirit. And yet, the, the Christian spirit, the, the biblical spirit, is much more about us as a church family, us as a community, us as a church body. I, 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 I truly don't understand um, if you, like, I, don't, I don't think you can really be a, a believer apart from being a part of a body, right? We're called the body of Christ. The church family comes under Christ Jesus. Um, uh, it, 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 to me, it's hard to imagine. And so I'd encourage everyone to be a part of a church family. So, I church, you can pray alone, but a we church comes and prays together. Now, there are a lot of ways to do that here at Cornerstone, right? We do it in our community groups, in our, our, our ministry team meetings, our deacons, our elders. We pray together. Uh, but it is, I think there is something special when we come together as a church. Um, usually, we have a time of prayer Sunday mornings. Today was a little bit uh, lacking. Uh, Karen wasn't feeling good. But usually, it's Karen and myself who gather at 8 a.m. to pray. Uh, and I just want to throw it out there that if anyone is interested and is pricked at all in their hearts that, hey, I need to spend more time in corporate prayer, like praying with other people, please just come next week at 8 a.m. and pray with us. We would love to pray with you. I always feel like energized after our time together. I always feel refreshed and a little bit more at peace. And, I, and when I spend that time by myself in prayer, I also feel some of those things. But for whatever reason, when I gather with others, especially other Christians, even outside of my own family, there's just something powerful about it, something energizing. Uh, and I, I would like you to be able to experience that. So come try it out at least once. So how do we do church together? One, we gather around God's word. Number two, we do life together. Number three, we share meals and take communion. Number four, we pray together. And these are kind of the four big things that we see the early church doing here in Acts 2, 42 through 47. So what's the outcome? What's the result? Well, we grow. Uh, we see this happening uh, to them. Acts 2, 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And then verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So it's by kind of being the church, coming around these, these things, coming together around the word and uh, to fellowship and to pray together and to, uh, uh, to, to eat. Like we see the church just growing. Uh, Acts of Visual Guide, I really like that. It shows three outcomes, uh, fear. People were in awe. That's the Greek word phobos, so they were in fear. Uh, number two, they, they had favor. People liked it. They were impressed. They're like, there, there's something special about this. And then people came to faith. So fear, favor, and faith. Every day, more and more people were coming to Christ Jesus. See, there was something distinct. There was something wonderful about this church. I was listening to one pastor preach, and he said, our witness, our witness, so like kind of our togetherness, our our witness aids our witness. <laughs> Very uh, catchy. Our witness aids our witness. See, I think there's something powerful uh, when we stand out as a community and we're able to love each other through thick and thin. 
God just does something, and, and he will use us as a church body uh, to reach out into our community. Now, I think these early believers were witnessing, right? They were evangelizing, but they were also living in such a way that it, it gave more power and more authenticity to their message. And so I hope that's a, a good encouragement to us and a challenge as well. I'm going to pray for the sermon, and then we're going to transition to communion. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you. Uh, for communion. Uh, thank you for uh, this time together. Lord, we, we ask for your blessing upon our church family, upon our community. Would we uh, reflect uh, church as you intended it? Would we reflect that early church we see in Acts 2, 42 through 47? Lord, please bless us now as we head into a time of communion. In Jesus' name, amen.